Time for seafood news. You're listening to the Seafood News Podcast. I'm Seafood News Managing Editor, Amanda Buckle. And I'm Erner Barry Seafood Market Reporter, Lauren Castiglione. This podcast is brought to you by Erner Barry's Reporter Magazine, which is out now. The latest issue is packed with great stories, including a food trend forecast for 2021, a look at how restaurants have introduced new design concepts as a result of the pandemic, the scoop on Maui's new Captain Omega line, and much, much more. You can read a free digital copy of the magazine by visiting ernerbarry.com reporter. Thanks, Lauren. Let's kick off with an update on what's going on in Alaska. So Trident confirmed late last week that 266 workers have now tested positive for the coronavirus. And in addition to that, they're also reporting a separate smaller outbreak on one of their three larger catcher processor vessels, the Island Enterprise. The Island Enterprise arrived in Dutch Harbor Thursday with 125 people on board and rapid testing confirmed five positive cases, but two non-positive workers are also reporting minor symptoms. Now, Trident's plant is approximately 35 miles from Unalaska, where the city council there adopted a new local mandate related to COVID-19 that's being enforced through February 10th. The new mandate requires that face mask coverings over the nose and mouth be required of customers and visitors of businesses and organizations, as well as by employees and volunteers serving customers. In addition, public indoor gatherings are now being limited to 10 people, with the exception of schools, which are limited to 50% classroom occupancy, and bars and restaurants, which are limited to 35 maximum occupancy. Anyone traveling into the city, whether by vessel or plane, must self-quarantine for 14 days. The quarantine must be observed even if the traveler has a negative COVID-19 test or has been released from uh, from care by a healthcare provider. As of January 27th, Unalaska reported 20 new cases of COVID-19, 19 of which are related to the seafood industry. Of the 49 current active cases in the city, 45 of them related to uh, the seafood industry. The latest update that the city provided on Alyeska and Unice came on January 22nd. At that time, it was announced that Alyeska, which is owned by Westward Seafoods, had temporarily halted production due to a cluster of positive COVID-19 cases identified during surveillance testing. Positive cases were isolated and the company was working on contact tracing efforts and quarantining all direct contacts. Unice, on the other hand, was set to be making substantial progress towards containing the outbreak at their Unalaska plant. The company had been working closely with the state public health officials, and a second round of mass testing showed promising results. In other news, a new lawsuit is alleging that Subway's tuna is not real tuna. Dun, dun, a lawsuit, right? Dun dun dun. A lawsuit recently filed in the U.S. District Court for the Northern District of California alleges that the popular chain's tuna sandwich is quote made from anything but tuna. Independent lab tests that were reportedly taken from multiple subway locations in California found that the tuna was, quote, a mixture of concoctions that do not constitute tuna, yet have been blended together by defendants to imitate the appearance of tuna. The plaintiffs are hoping that their claim gets certified as clash action, which would open up the case to others in California who bought tuna from subway after January 21st, 2017. 
According to the Washington Post, the plaintiffs are suing uh, for fraud, intentional misrepresentation, unjust enrichment, and other claims under federal and state laws. Subway is denying the claims, of course, and released a statement saying that there is simply no truth to the allegations. The company's statement contained that Subway delivers 100% cooked tuna to its restaurants, which is mixed with mayonnaise and used in freshly made sandwiches, wraps, and salads that are served to and enjoyed by their guests. The taste and quality of our tuna make it one of Subway's most popular products, and these baseless accusations threaten to damage our franchisees, small business owners who work tirelessly to uphold the high standard that Subway sets for all of its products, including its tuna. The statement goes on to say that the lawsuit constitutes a reckless and improper attack on Subway's brand and goodwill, as well as the livelihood of California freight franchisees. According to the company, the claims from the plaintiffs are being pursued without adequate investigation. The statement continues that the lawsuit is part of a trend in which the name plaintiff's attorney have been targeting the food industry in an effort to make a name for themselves in that space. The company said that they will uh, vigorously defend themselves against these and any other baseless efforts to mischaracterize and tarnish the high-quality products that Subway and its franchisees provide to their customers in California and around the world. And just an FYI, the company has said in the past that it only serves its customers skipjack tuna and was working to solely source from MSC or equivalent certified fisheries. And in 2016, the restaurant chain became a member of the International Pole and Line Foundation, a nonprofit association committed to developing and supporting responsible one-by-one tuna fisheries and supply chains. So we'll keep you updated as this lawsuit progresses. Uh, moving along to some happier news, last Monday, California lifted its stay-at-home order allowing restaurants and other establishments to reopen. Restaurant restrictions and closures due to the coronavirus have varied based on state and county. In earlier December, as a result of increasing COVID-19 hospitalizations, California Governor Gavin Newsom announced that the Golden State would be split into five regions, the Bay Area, Greater Sacramento, Northern California, San Joaquin Valley, and Southern California. If ICU capacity in a region fell below 15%, it would trigger a three-week stay-at-home order, which would shut down restaurants and bars, among other businesses. Restaurants and regions impacted by the order were only allowed to take um, to offer takeout and delivery services as of Monday before the order was lifted. The Bay Area, San Joaquin Valley, and Southern California were all operating under California's stay-at-home order. Now that the stay-at-home order is lifted, each county is returning to the tiered reopening structure through the state's blueprint for a safer economy. The tiered reopening means that each county has the power to impose restrictions. For example, Los Angeles County and San Diego County are in the purple widespread tier one, which is at highest risk of community disease transmission. This means that restaurants will only be allowed to offer outdoor dining. Alpine County, on the other hand, is in the red substantial tier two, which is at a slightly lower risk than tier one. Restaurants in this area are allowed to offer limited indoor dining at 25% capacity or 100 diners, whichever is fewer. The tiered reopening structure includes an orange moderate tier three, which would allow restaurants in an area to open indoor dining at 50% capacity or 200 diners, whichever is fewer. And yellow minimal tier four allows uh, restaurants in the area to open at 50% capacity. New York City has also received some good news last week when Governor Andrew Cuomo announced that indoor dining would be able to resume at 25% capacity on Valentine's Day. As long as the current downwards trend in positive cases and hospitalizations continue to downtrend. This will be the first time New York City restaurants will be allowed to offer indoor dining in two months, which is nuts. I I tell you, I feel really bad. And what's, what's also crazy is that so my husband's birthday is February 13th, the day before Valentine's Day. So mm-hmm. we're doing a trip to New York City 
And are you? Nice. Yes. And I had to make a reservation. I'm just winging it, hoping that, you know, I was like, well, hopefully we won't have to sit outside and freeze. And I, I know like a lot of places have like, yeah, like put up these like igloos and tents and have all these heating lamps. But like, you know, we're recording on a day where it's supposedly 25 degrees out, but it feels like it's like five below. Oh, with the wind chill, I think Alexa told me that it's like six degrees today. <laughs> yeah. So it's like, it's it's crazy that these, you know, I mean, it's, we're going to February. It's just sad that these restaurants have, haven't been able to, you know, offer indoor dining for this long, but hopefully, you know, the 25% on Valentine's Day actually happens and and hopefully it'll only increase from there. Well, fingers crossed for you and your date. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> and finally, for some market news, uh, blue swimming crab is yet another higher end uh, shellfish species that is experiencing upward pricing movement during the pandemic. Like many other higher end shellfish species, lack of supply is a major contributing factor. The blue swimming crab meat market has been seeing prices steady to trending upwards for the past five months and significantly more firm during the month of January. Current pricing across the blue swimming crab meat complex is firm. All grades, with the exception of special, are at 52-week highs. Looking specifically to jumbo lump, pricing is 2% higher than the three-year average and tracking 11.6% higher than pricing seen at the same time in 2020. Higher offers and sales continue to be collected as um, and the upper pricing pressure is noted in a full study to firm undertone across the complex. 2020 imports from the major producing countries of crab meat have been tracking well below the three-year average for two-thirds of the year, even with Indonesia, the top producing country of blue swimming crab meat in the world, up 13.5%. It is not enough to compensate for the larger decreases from the other smaller producing countries. Overall, through November 2020, blue swimming crab meat imports are down 8.2%. The larger decreases were from the Philippines, which is down 35.6%, Vietnam, which is down 16.6%, and India, which is down 29.9%. Um, market participants report that the supply situation in Asia continues to be a challenge. Quickly rising replacement costs are reported to be an issue as importers work to secure product into 2021. In addition, the celebration of Chinese New Year in Asia will further affect production. Even though travel is restricted in many countries due to COVID-19, Many market participants believe that the holiday time off will still be taken in full, which can be around two to three weeks in some areas. And now jumping into tilapia, imports of frozen tilapia fillets took a dive into November, falling 32% for a total monthly volume of 14 million pounds. The previous three-year average for the month of November is 22.8 million pounds, and November 2020 falls well below average, down 37%. However, on a year-to-date basis, January through November import volumes are 12.5% higher than the previous year, totaling 236 million pounds. And this is the highest year-to-date total since 2017, brought in 237 million pounds for that same time frame. The market continues to firm, with the current driving force pointing to rising ocean freight costs as well as anticipated shipping delays through the Chinese New Year holiday. Additional factors adding to the upwards pressure include thin supply of raw materials, limited to no container availability, unfavorable exchange rates, and of course, the tariffs. Current pricing for moisture-added 3-5 to ounce tilapia frozen fillets from China are averaging $2.20 per pound, and that's 10 cents higher than it was a year ago, and this is the highest on record since 2015. Some industry players are anticipating prices to strengthen beyond the Chinese New Year holiday, or at least until the backlog of recent orders is complete and the raw material supply improves. And that does it for us. Once again, this podcast was brought to you by Ernerberry's Reporter Magazine. 
Check out a digital copy by visiting earnaberry.com slash reporter. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you back here next week.